Good morning. It's time to talk about Sack City Podcast, which is now sponsored by Manscaped. The best thing for your sack since sliced? Well, sacks. Keep your sack smooth with the new Performance Package 4.0. Inside this package, you'll find their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer for those bushy sacks. The Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant for those smelly sacks. And take care of those extra sacks with the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer. Not to mention some performance boxer briefs and a travel sack to put your goodies in. Manscaped is a sack leader with over 6 million worldwide who trust this product. That's roughly 12 million sacks. So join them with this exclusive offer of 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the promo code SACCITY at manscaped.com. That's promo code SACCITY at manscaped.com for 20% off and free worldwide shipping. Order your sack saver now and show your sack the love it deserves. Manscaped. Got Bush? Sack City. Welcome in to another edition of the Sack City Podcast. I am your host, the one and only Vinny Milani, joined as always by my best friend in the whole entire world. He is Aaron, the Mukesia Mukes. It is a beautiful September 23rd morning here in the city. And this is not just any other morning. This isn't just a Friday morning. This isn't just a week three game preview. This is not just a Thursday night recap show. This day in American history is a special oh day, God. a great day for mankind, for the world. We were blessed today on this day, 45 years ago, with wow. the presence of the Muxiah himself. He is ageless. Wow. He is timeless. It is his birthday. We all want to wish him a very special happy birthday, the Muxiah, Aaron Mukes. Um, how am I, first of all, how am I ageless when you said I'm 45? I don't, I don't understand. I'm not 45, by the way. Uh, Cause you don't look, you don't look a day over 36. Yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> thank you, buddy. Yes, it is. It is my birthday. Thank you. I appreciate that. You know, another day. I, I, I don't feel any older than I felt yesterday. Um, I don't feel any younger either though. <laughs> so that's a, <laughs> that's important, but, uh, but uh, yeah, enough with all that hoopla. All right. Enough with all the hoopla. Let's talk football, man. That's all I care about. Oh, birthday, birthday, whatever. Yeah, I'm old. Let's That's, talk football. That, that and is thank you, everybody you in the chat, for wishing me happy birthday. I appreciate you. That is what you are here to do. Uh, you are paid to do and talk that foosball. Shout out to everybody in the chat. Shout out to everybody home listening, uh, tuning in. We've got a great show ahead of us. Episode 88 is about to kick off. We are diving into the rest of our week three game previews. If you missed yesterday's show, we covered the AFC home team games um and that those videos are are now out on youtube at sac city pod so go check those out uh today we are previewing the rest and also recapping a great well 
an eh Thursday night football game between the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Cleveland Browns. And let's just get into it. Let's just get right into it. The Browns last night defeated the Pittsburgh Steelers 29 to 17. It was actually 26 or 23 to 17 until a wild play to end the game uh, made it 29 to 17. My buddy at work literally lost his parlay bet because of that last score. I in fantasy got an extra few points from the Browns defense uh, that made it very nice for me. Um, But enough about that. Enough about personal matters. The Browns took down the Steelers 29, 17. Uh, This game was full and dominated by Nick Chubb, who had a he had a very good game. He was basically, and I'll just say right now, he was my player of the game. His rushing totals, 23 carries, 113 yards, a tutty, another big day for fantasy production for Nick Chubb. He has dominated uh, and arguably is one of the best backs, if not the best back in 2022 so far. Aaron, what were your takeaways from that game last night? Yeah, we, we often talk about, especially Nick Chubb, you mentioned player of the game. We talk about fantasy, and Nick Chubb does always live up to the billing when it comes to fantasy because of the um, the work out of the passing game. But there is no argument. Nick Chubb is, is one of the best running backs in all of football, um, if not the best. Pure runner standpoint. Um, I mentioned this a few years ago when there's uh, 20 to 25 carries and actually go tell him, go get yardage and and do that. Um, I think it's, uh, I think he's right up there. So another big day for him. Cleveland is built on that run game. Amari Cooper stepped up big time, but you have to give a shout out to Jacoby Brissett here for me. He plays within himself. It's like exactly what he always does, right? He always, he does the same thing week after week. He's not going to kill you, but he's not going to go out there and wow you either. And he does that. He was on time with his throws. He got the ball into his playmakers hands. David and Joku had a big night um, and Cleveland, should be three and zero. Can, can we talk yeah. about that? This yeah, team with, easily could be three and zero with Deshaun Watson not playing. And this is why I said I think they could keep they could stay afloat until until uh, Deshaun Watson gets there. I think this team can stay afloat. They're that talented, and they had another good showing last night. And um, good for them. Good for them. Yeah, no, I, I it's it's been we talked about it all offseason long. We, it was about the what the predictions were for this team before Deshaun Watson. If they could stay around 500 until he gets back, this team has a really good chance to do something special in the second half of the season when Deshaun Watson comes back. And it looks like that, that's exactly what they wanted from Jacoby Brissett, someone who's not going to lose them the game uh, and someone necessarily not necessarily is going to win you the game. Um, but someone who's not going to turn the ball over, who's going to be efficient uh, in, in the passing game and just be able to make it happen. Uh, Jacoby Brissett finished 21 of 31, 220 yards, two touchdowns, and the big number right there, zero turnovers in this game. That's that's huge. That's exactly uh, what the Browns needed. On the flip side of things, the Pittsburgh Steelers here lose this game, and it's another meh performance from Mitch Trubisky 20 uh 20 completions 20 of 32 207 no touchdowns uh or no passing touchdowns he had a rushing touchdown um after the game Mike Tomlin was saying that he is not interested in talking about the quarterback position and whether or not Kenny Pickett will be coming in soon um but Aaron I think we have to talk about it is it are we starting to approach the Kenny Pickett should be coming in time. Um, Steelers now one and two. Mitch Trubisky hasn't done a whole lot. Um, no, but, no. Okay. I'm going to let you finish the question. Um, Mitch Trubisky didn't play bad. 
And this is what we talked about. Mitch Trubisky didn't play bad. Um, first of all, there were a couple of drops by receivers. Um, are, are they getting – where is Chase Claypool and George Pickens? And I'm sorry, I know George Pickens had a great catch. But why is Deontay Johnson the only one that's actually doing anything from a production standpoint? Why aren't those other guys open making plays? This is uh, To me, this is a problem that's bigger than Mitch Trubisky. I looked at Mitch Trubisky, and I'm like, he played well, uh, especially early in that game. And then in the second half, I don't know what happened to that offense. I don't know if it was a Matt Canada issue in the play calling, but they got really stagnant. When that first when that first half, they were actually moving the football and making plays. So um, I don't think this is a Mitch Trubisky issue. I think, number one, their offensive line is still not great, although they did play better yesterday. And But Mitch Trubisky played fine. Like, I don't think – I don't think Kenny Pickett comes in and is some dynamic quarterback that we're looking at. It's going to go carry you. So you want Mitch Trubisky to be a game manager. And I think that's exactly what Mitch Trubisky was, but somebody has to go and make a play. You're still averaging less than four yards to carry on the ground with Najee Harris. Why isn't Jalen Warren touching the ball more if he's that explosive? And we saw the explosiveness that he did bring to the table early in the game and they stopped giving him the ball. And I get it, but maybe you do get him a little bit more involved because you lack that explosive explosiveness on the outside. I, I'm sorry, but with with eight catches for Deontay and your next receiver has three and Chase Claypool and George Pickens, they need to find a way to get those guys involved more, and they just didn't do it. And then defensively, they let Jacoby Brissett have his way. But for what you said, you we talked about Jacoby Brissett in the same game having a good game. He ideally did the same thing that Mitch Trubisky did. The only difference was Mitch Trubisky didn't throw a touchdown. He ran a touchdown in, and then nobody else could get in the end zone. Or they couldn't find any way to get in the end zone late. So they had very similar style games. Um, I think Jacoby Brissett got more help. I think Amari Cooper and Nick Chubb in the running game allowed Jacoby Brissett to have easier throws to wide open guys, whereas Pittsburgh's running game is not a threat. And because it's not a threat, the defense doesn't have to worry about it. So they don't bite on play action. They don't have to worry about coming up and adding extra people in the box. And I think that's the difference in the game. So this isn't a Mitch Trubisky problem. This is a this is a team problem. This is a this is a, a team offense problem with maybe play calling and also receivers not being uh, impactful and getting open enough. Aside from a Deontay Johnson, uh, I don't know how to transition this. I don't know how to segue well, this with the. Well, I mean, with, before you go to one, before you go, there's three games now that Pittsburgh has played. They've scored 20 points, 14 points, and 17 points. It's not going to cut it in today's NFL. That's all I'm going to say. Whether you want to blame that on Mitch Trubisky, play calling, running game, receivers, do you think, I don't care. Do you think with – the question I guess I have to ask now, though, is do you think with Kenny Pickett, if they turn it over to him, what he's supposed to be there for and what they what we expect from him and what we've seen from him in the past, he could bring maybe a different dynamic to this offense that maybe they're missing and maybe a little bit of a – I guess – It's, Kenny, it's Pitt, funny you Kenny say Pitt. that, but – I'm going to be honest, him and Mitch Trubisky are like the same quarterback to me, the style of play. They both have are mobile. They both have, they both don't have great arms. Um, I don't know what he brings immediately. Now, can he develop better than a Mitch Trubisky? Sure. Maybe he is that uh, future franchise guy, but this year right now, no, I think he comes in, he runs for his life like Mitch Trubisky. He makes some plays, not able to make other plays, inaccurate, bad decisions because he's a rookie. And then we're in the same situation. So I just, I'm not saying they can't make the switch. I'm just saying, I think it's bigger than Mitch Trubisky. 
That's fair. I, I understand. And if it does, if it does happen, this is what the scene is going to be. If Mitch Trubisky hands it over to Kenny baby. Passing the torch. <laughs> yep. Passing the torch right here. If that ends up happening, uh, shout out Kenny baby hands, pick it. Uh, I can't, I, it's unfortunate that you did bring that up about the wide receivers not getting open, but the play of the game, I mean, it has to go to George that Pickens. Is not the play of the game. It, this is the play of the Stop. game. Stop. Oh yeah, well, my first, God. first of all, this is the play of the game because I had about five about five minutes to find a play of the game from this game right here. So I was able to snag this, and it was the easiest one to get. George Pickens, nasty catch. Told you this guy's going to be a dog. If they get him the ball, he is going to be a dog. Aaron, what, yes. what was your play of the game then? Uh, well, any other play from the Cleveland Browns that was an impactful. This is the uh, guy who says, he says all the time that the play of the game or the player of the game doesn't necessarily have to be from the winning team. And then I picked the losing team for once and you get mad at me for it. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. The, the play of the game has to have an impact on the game. Like I'm not saying it has to come from the, but it has to be impactful. That was a catch in the first quarter of nothing. Well, like it, was, it led to points. It led to points. It led to points. It led to a touchdown from Najee Harris. Okay, that's it was impactful. That, let, let me ask you this question and be honest. No. If that's any other receiver, if that's Chase Claypool, no. if that's <laughs> Donovan Peoples Jones, what I don't hey, you're picking some other play. You love George Pickens. And I'm sorry that George Pickens is that's great. Like good for him. But come on, man. Like the first quarter of the game, I mean, it was a nice catch. It was a nice catch. But what did he do? George Pickens had what three catches for thirty nine yards? That was that was it right there. That was the longest one. He only had he only had two other catches for three yards. Two catches for three yards after that catch. Think about that. Well, he is well, irrelevant, and we're over here bragging about him. Stop. Well, and he jumped off sides on an onside kick. Stop. Well, well, so you see, you see how how things work. Is is I I, I plead the fifth because uh, uh, well. I did pick that because I like George Pickens. So. I know you did. I ain't stupid. Let's go. Uh, okay. All right. That does oh. though for our Thursday night recap, the Browns defeat the Pittsburgh Steelers 29 to 17. And before we get into our morning headlines and our injury report, we have a special, very special guest joining us for a brief period of time on this show. He is your boy, AJ Johnson. What up, fellas? Hello. Hello. I'm so happy. Who's this guy? In this moment that I don't have my boss on Facebook because I'm on the clock. (laughs) (laughs) I heard every word y'all have said, and oh my God, there's so much I wish I could unpack. I don't have the time, but I'll do this. Vinny, definitely was a play of the game. Great choice. Fantastic play. I came on because I saw all over Facebook, even though I already knew this, but you know, people saying the special words and I'm not much of a put a post for a birthday type of guy. So I was just going to write it in the chat, but that didn't feel like enough either. Then I look up and I'm like, oh, the show is live. Let me go make a special appearance just to say happy birthday to my guy, the Mukesaya. <laughs> for this day, for this day, you can be the Mukesaya. <laughs> I'm hoping your day has been fantastic since midnight and through midnight and through the weekend. And honestly, through life, man, uh, you're, you're a special person to me. You're a really good friend. You're a brother to me, man. And I appreciate everything you've done, everything you do, everything you continue to do for your show, for your friends, for your family. Happy birthday. I appreciate you. George Pickens play of the game. <laughs> no, I appreciate you, brother. Uh, we'll, we'll get after we'll get after it on Sunday. I know I know you coming back Sunday for some fantasy. Yes, I will be we'll, there on Sunday. 
Well, well now um, I got to go make sure some people want to buy some credit cards or some shit. I don't, I don't even know. <laughs> you got to go get paid. You got to go get paid. Handle business. That paper. <laughs> I heard that. I y'all appreciate you, brother. If y'all aren't following the show yet, I mean, you're already in the comments. What are y'all waiting on? Hit that subscribe button and go tell somebody about it. I'll let your boy. Oh, Saxony Pod on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram. For old time's sake. For old time's sake. Wait, hold up. Hold up. Hold up. Uh, Ooh. Uh, Ooh, what the smooth. Now you know his mic is going to go out. Hey, let me go ahead and put that Dr. Love voice on y'all when I tell y'all. Hit your boys up at Sac City Pod on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. And once you head over there, go ahead and hit that like button. Hit that love button. Hit that share button. And if you can't find the share button, call some damn body and tell them all about your boys at Sac City Pod on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. And TikTok. Your boys are back in town. <laughs> I'm gonna see y'all boys on Sunday when I whoop that ass in DraftKings again. Smash oh, City. <laughs> oh my goodness. This guy's a legend. Bravo, bravo, AJ Johnson, the man. Your boy AJ Johnson joining the show, giving a special birthday wish to Aaron, and of course, plugging the show uh as he does so well. And honestly, we have not had a social read like that in quite some time because I suck at social reads, and Aaron talks a lot on the show, so we can't have him do the social reads so uh that's pretty much how it goes but without further ado let's get in to some morning headlines ladies and gentlemen can i please have your attention and i need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen we got two little morning headlines today for you people for your beautiful people i should say uh we start things off with the baltimore ravens finally signing jason pierre paul after probably a month's worth of him visiting teams and visiting the ravens what it seemed like they signed jason pierre paul to a one-year contract bringing him to baltimore adding him to a very uh well known a very known a very known and a lot of productivity in this uh in this rushing attack of the Baltimore Ravens, they have Justin Houston with 104 sacks, Calais Campbell with 94 sat 94 and a half sacks, Jason Pierre Paul 91 and a half sacks. They got 290 total career sacks in just those three players on that defensive line. Like it's a lot, it's a lot. And again, you bring up the I'll, I'll bring up the young players that Baltimore has on the defensive line and Odafio Way and um, what's the kid's name that I that we loved so much in this draft? What's his name? What's his name? The, they drafted him. The Baltimore Ravens drafted a pass rusher. I can't remember his name. He's not healthy. When he when he gets healthy, he's going to be. Uh, what's his David name? David Ojabo. David Ojabo. That's it. Shit, Jeez. couldn't remember it. All that they draft got, coverage, and you can't even remember these players. Dude, but I bet I, you, if I, it was George Pickens, you'd have remembered it. You damn skippy. You damn skippy. But they add Jason Pierre-Paul already to a good veteran leadership on this uh, pass rush for the Baltimore Ravens, and they needed a little bit of extra help. Uh, just to note, we get two revenge games for Jason Pierre-Paul this year, week six against the Giants and week eight against Tampa Buccaneers. So Jason Pierre-Paul to the Ravens on a one-year deal. And hey, another news. Hey, you mentioned uh, you mentioned how many sacks they all have, right? Can you Those numbers again were like you said, 104, 94, 91.5. Um, they also have uh, – Three AARP cards. Uh, two of them are drawn from Social Security, and one of them has a, is in a walker with tennis balls on the bottom. So I'm not, I'm not so excited about this signing as maybe you made that morning headline to me. Um, these guys are old, and, and I'm not saying they're not talented. I'm not saying they're not good, but they are an older group of uh, 
of, of pass rushers, but a lot of a lot of history there. A lot of history. You're I think one of them. One of them played when there was leather helmets, but I'm not sure. We get a senior citizen discount with the Baltimore Ravens pass rush here. Okay. That's, that's what I like to see Uh, in other news. Former new Orleans saints head coach, Sean Payton is eyeing a 2023 return to the sideline. He came out and said, if the right job comes along, uh, Cowboys. uh, (laughs) That's, that's what basically what he said. If the right job job comes along, which after the season, it will, he is interested. And uh, so basically Sean Payton, the former Super Bowl champion of the New Orleans Saints head coach, uh, star of the Kevin James led movie. Uh, what was that oh movie God. called? What was it called? I can't remember what it was called. But it, was on, it was on Disney Plus. Shout out Kevin know. James for playing a great Sean Payton. Um, but he is ready to come back. And once he does come back and then retires again, I hope we get a sequel to that movie with Kevin James in it as well. Um, but yeah, no, in all jokes aside, Sean Payton coming back to the NFL in 2023 is a strong possibility. If the right job comes along that does it though, for our morning headlines, we are about to get into our injury report. Uh, I do want to just bring up some more birthday comments, especially this one from your wife says she loves you had to bring that up. Shout out wives club. Shout out Jess. You're probably not here if it wasn't for her. So let's just be honest. Thanks, babe. <laughs> Let's get in to the injury report. I'm having That's right. You can't get up. They can't get up. Let's get into our injury report. <laughs> Let's start off with Roquan Smith. He did not practice on Thursday with a hip injury. Um, obviously, without Roquan Smith, that defense is depleted even more. We saw them struggle against Aaron Rodgers and the Packers on Sunday Night Football, so we will see if he is going to play. Today will be kind of the announcement of people that are going to be out for sure, um, and then you'll get some questionable tags, which we'll have to wait till inactives active on Sunday during our fantasy show uh, for that. So a lot, of particip- or a lot of people didn't participate in practice on Thursday, but somebody who did was Michael Gallup. He was a full participant. and to work him back in, but that is huge news for a team that is lacking weapons right now. Uh, Michael Pittman was also limited on Thursday. Uh, He was asked if he's going to play or how he's feeling about injuries. He said he's not making any comments about injuries. That's going to be up to the coach. You Uh, son of a bitch. I'm what? No, my, uh, this for Michael Pittman. Oh yeah. So uh, (laughs) I have him everywhere as my wide receiver one. (laughs) I'm not sure what that means. Uh, Most time players are like, yeah, I'm ready to go or no. He said he's going to leave it up to the coach. I think that's a little weird. Uh, Josh, uh, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert and Keenan Allen, both limited at practice on Thursday. Um, the chargers coming off the loss, they had a little bit extra time to rest. So hopefully Herbert and Allen can get back on the field, uh, for Sunday. They're going to, uh, need to get a win. They play Jacksonville. So that's a game that they should win. Uh, we'll see if they hold them out or if they think that, um, they need to be on the field, uh, for Sunday. And then George Kittle is still questionable and limited in practice. He's still questionable for Sunday. Uh, you got to be concerned if you're the 49ers, man. This is not, it's like constant. Like why is George Kittle hurt before the season starts and he just can't get on the field. So uh, they definitely need him. He's a big part of that offense. And then still no Julio Jones for Tampa Bay. And and I told you, you know, just when I bought in after one week, I'm like, man, they're going to use it. Still hasn't been on the field. This is why Julio Jones was on the market. This is why nobody paid him. This is why nobody wanted him. It's not because he's not good. It's because he's older and he's having trouble staying healthy. And so here we are now week three. He already missed week two. 
uh, likely to miss week three again. He has a practice and, you know, we'll see when he can get back on the field. And then there's one more. And this was the most important one to me because I, I didn't even think about it. I should have got the sound bite for it. But Christian McCaffrey popped up on the injury report. And I know where everybody likes to go, especially Vinny. He loves when Christian McCaffrey's on the injury report because I told you so. And then Christian McCaffrey came out and said, well, he said this. He said, quote, um, yeah, if I left practice to go take a leak, I'd probably end up on the injury report. He said, no, I'm good to go. Uh, I'm ready for Sunday. So you, you want to know you why Christian you said, you want to know why you said that? If he, if he were to go to, if he were to leave practice to go to the bathroom, he'd probably end up on the injury report because he'd probably get hurt walking to the bathroom. He's yeah, made of just glass. a bad take. That's just a, that is a, a terrible take. It's a joke. You're making, you're making it's it a, work. It's a joke. And there was a reason why I never brought it up with yeah. you about Christian McCaffrey. You, you know how quick I am to, to jump on the Christian McCaffrey hate train. But when I saw that report yesterday, I was like, I don't think it's that big of a deal. He's going to, yeah, it, it's this not, is, this isn't, it's not, but, but, the, but it was funny. it's fair to be concerned. It is fair. No, it's not. It's, okay. okay. No, it's not. No, it's not. All right. Right. We, it's quick how we forget some people and then we don't forget other people. Like it's, 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 go back. I don't even want to talk about it. Let, let's go. All right. All right. Well, let's I, get in. Are you good? Are you good? Are you good? I'm good, man. Because I was gonna go. I was gonna go the route of, of like if I was to say like James Robinson is injury prone. Well, that's just not right. Yeah, you wouldn't. You wouldn't <laughs> like that. You, you would disagree. And you like, well, it was just one freak injury. And if, if you were four, would he miss like three games at the end? Like, I could have argued if, those if, points. That's all I'm saying. If, if you were to say that, that would just be trying to hurt my feelings, and that feels like a personal yeah. attack, and I don't appreciate yeah. it. Sorry. That does though for our morning headlines, our injury report, and our Thursday night recap. It is now time to get into our week three game previews. We kick things off with the Houston Texans at o one and one, taking on the Chicago Bears at one and one. Uh, this is a battle between Justin Fields Whoa. and David. What? 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 Got the wrong. I got the wrong. <laughs> I got the wrong thing up. Oh yeah. Well, don't worry. I put a graphic up. It's okay. No one can see it. Why, wait. Uh, wait. Why a, are you, wait? Why are you doing this game? That's not in the order of the doc. I what I what go are by you the doing? I go by the ESPN order. So then why wouldn't you put that in the doc order? I dummy? didn't fill it out. I did not fill out the doc. If you were paying attention to our group chat yesterday, I did not No, 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 no. Okay, look, Taylor, but t- no, 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 Tyler, no, no. Don't blame it on don't blame it on other people. I'm not you blaming on anyone. Tra- You're the one trying to change things up here. Oh my gosh. You oh my god. So would you so would you like would you like me to go in order of the doc? You know, you know what I would like you to do? I would I, it's my birthday. I want you to be consistent. Tyler is out here grinding for us, and you me, couldn't put the doc in the in an order that was appropriate. So let me let me let me go let me go down this list here. Let me go down this track. Let me go down this path here. Pull the curtain back. I'm sitting here thinking, okay, Aaron never looks at the doc. Like he does not give a shit about the doc. He probably has ESPN up now. And I'll pro- I'll go off the ESPN order because that's what he's probably going off of. Cause that's what we normally talk about. So I'm like, okay. But the doc is always go- in ESPN order. I've looked every it is, time. No, I'm aware of that. I am aware of that, but we had, so to pull the curtain back, shout out Tyler for, for, Doing Everything the doc and going above and beyond to do this doc for us. It's a huge help. Trust me, a huge help. But he's new. He did not, he was not made aware of the order that we normally put the games in. So he did not put it in ESPN order. So I was like, oh, that's not a big of a deal. Like I can still fill it out. It's not a big of a deal. But here's Aaron trying to throw things off here. I'm still trying to keep it consistent on the show. 
I'm keeping it consistent on the show where people see. The show should match the doc. That's all I'm saying. It is your responsibility as head producer in charge to make well, sure that. And second are of all, okay, if we're if we're if we're going down this route, we might as well go down this damn rabbit hole. Somebody, not to name names, but Aaron the Mukesia Mukes on Tuesday when we had this meeting with with Tyler about the doc, you said, "Oh, I'm gonna get the next three days docs worth up and send them all to you and prep them up." And guess what? And you what didn't did I do? say? And what did I tell you after that? Hey, Vinny, I couldn't get the docs up. You said, don't worry, I'll take it. care of it. No, I, I already had taken care of it at that point because well, I you knew didn't, you though, because Tyler did it. No, no, I, this doc was ready. Tyler just filled out the rest of it. So then you put him in the wrong order. No, Tyler put him in the wrong order. <laughs> You're full of shit. <laughs> I just left him in the wrong order. You're I mean, the, the doc existed. The, no. the bones of the doc No, existed. the bones, really, the bone, the name, and the doc itself. You didn't put <laughs> shit in this doc. You're, you're full of shit. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. You're full of shit. So what order would you like me to go in? Go in the ESPN order. I just didn't. I, the same way okay, we great. always go. I just didn't know. Yeah. That, that yeah. Wasn't in the ESPN yeah. You order. just had to do it, huh? You just yeah. had to do it, huh? Hey, look, okay. it's fixed. Hey, it's fixed yeah. in the dock. No, did you fix it in the dock? <laughs> no. Wait, I'm really? Oh, I was about to say, I did not, I did not see the okay. There let's we go. go. All right. All right. Bears all right, and ready? Texans, whatever. All right. Let's 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 do this here for the viewers listening at home, watching at home, all that good stuff. The Houston Texans travel to Chicago to take on the one and one Chicago Bears. This is a matchup between two former two 2021 quarterbacks from the draft i should say that's how that works davis mills against justin fields and one quarterback highly invested in from the chicago bears and the other one not a lot invested in but surprised a lot of people in davis mills uh these two careers are going to probably be side by side for the rest of the uh for the rest of their lives uh along with all the other big quarterbacks in the 2021 draft class uh this is a game between two rebuilding franchises uh chicago bears with new head coach Matt Eberflus, Houston Texans with new head coach Lovey Smith. Shout out Lovey Smith in this revenge game. Nine seasons with the Chicago Bears, including going to the 06 Super Bowl. Aaron, I'm going to start things off on the Houston Texans side. Tied against Colts, kept it close against the Broncos last week. What are the Texans doing right, and how can they get the job done this week against Chicago? What do they need to be taking in that they've been doing into this game? Well, first of all, their defense is playing really well. We talk about um, Lovey Smith. That's kind of what he's known for. You expect their defense to play as well as they've been playing. They've been able to slow down a Denver offense that we expected to be good or at least be better than what they've been um, this past, you know, over the over the past couple of years. But they've also been able to to do it against an Indianapolis Colts team who was uh, really, really good on the ground against them, but they created turnovers. They're flying around the football. They're aggressive. And I think this is a Lovey Smith identity um, kind of. Kind of identity that he's bringing to the Houston Texans um, culture organization. And, and it's impressive. We talked about last year, how much they improved and now they're doing it again this year. And I think that's, to me, that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for that type of uh, type of improvement. I'm not looking for them to be great. I'm not looking for them to to go and be undefeated or win every game. But it is important for them to to make improvements. And on the defensive side of the football, led by Jalen Petrie and and um, 
Derek Stingley Jr., those guys have stepped up and are young and have brought a, a defensive prowess that they didn't have over the past couple of seasons. This team was bad defensively, and, and they've made significant improvements. Um, so that's really, really something that I've looked at that I've been impressed with so far. Yeah, and this is a team that, I mean, has surprised a lot of people with the, with their competitiveness. And we said that this could possibly be what the Houston Texans are this season in terms of, of where they are. They're not going to always win the games, but they're going to be competitive and you're going to be able to watch and enjoy um, keeping games close. And that's what you want to see from a young team like this. Um, on the Chicago Bears side of things, it's been they're one and one, but. I'd say this has been a very disappointing start to the season. If you're a Chicago Bears fan, uh, watching the development of Justin Fields so far, not really get a lot of work and not really get a lot of chances to air it out uh, and make plays for this team. Aaron, how simple is it to just let Justin Fields sling it? And what may, what do you think may be preventing the Chicago Bears from actually letting him be able to be turned loose? Well, number one, they don't have the weapons. Um, they don't have the weapons to to do that. But they also they also don't really put them in great situations to do that. Like I, we, there, somebody has to be able to scheme guys to get open, and, and I don't see that in Chicago. I think that's a problem. Um, when Justin Fields has been comfortable, you've seen the ability. But right now, it's a lot of drop back. Oh no, I'm getting pressured. I'm going to run around. If there's nobody there, I'm going to take off. And so what what turns from 20 to 25 dropbacks that I'm looking to throw the ball turns into 16 to 17 because I'm going to end up taking off and running because either nobody's open or I'm getting pressured immediately once the ball snapped. And great. You can use your legs. That could be a dynamic aspect to an offense that, you know, in today's NFL, it's important to have your quarterback that's mobile. But at some point, you have to be able to throw the football to create yards, to create scoring opportunities. And we haven't really seen that from uh, Justin Fields or the Chicago Bears. He does need to play better, but I also think that this is very similar to last year. They're not putting him in a great situation to play better. And um, I know I'm going on this roller coaster with Justin Fields. You, have, you know how high I am on him. I have him in a yeah. bunch of fantasy teams, um, and I and I was not high on him starting his career. I said I thought he was going to be a bust. I didn't think he was going to make it because of the style. And I, then I kind of changed. I was like, okay, I've seen a glimpse of what it could be. And I thought Matt Nagy was holding him back. And now I'm back to where like, man, maybe I was right initially. Like, I, I don't really know where to put him right now. And I think that's something they have to work through, but they need to find somebody that can put him in better situations to be successful. Yeah. It's, it's unfortunate. Cause I think we see the potential that Justin Fields has when he, when he is on the field and making plays, it's just, he's not being utilized and Mac, I guess the, his potential is not being maximized uh, for, for what At he all. is and what, for what he can be in the NFL, what we have as expectations. So Davis Mills versus Justin Fields in this game. Who do you think has a better game? I did not hear you. I think I cut out. Oh, I cut out. Davis Mills uh, versus Justin Fields in this game. Who do you think has the better day? Oh, man. I think both are probably going to have pedestrian days. I think both defenses probably played well in this one. Um, Houston's only averaging, you know, giving up 18 points a game so far. They're, they're creating a lot of turnovers, but they are giving up a lot of yards. Um, Chicago has a win, and Houston's keeping games close because of their ability to turn the football over, get turnovers, and not give up turnovers. So that's why they've been close. That's why they've had opportunities. Um, I will take Justin Fields in this one because they're at home. I would okay. say he has a better day, but statistically from a passing aspect, I don't think so. Like, it's not like he's going to throw 300 and 
Davis is going to throw 150. But yeah. overall, when you watch him play, you're going to say, okay, you know, um, Justin Fields had a better day. Okay, that's fair. I uh, I lean towards the Texans in this game uh, because of I like you said what the defense brings from from the Texans, but also how the offense has been rolling for for Davis Mills uh, and company. It's not been flashy. It's not been special. It's not been fantastic. Uh, but I do think it's been better than what we've seen from the Chicago Bears offense. And with that, with that defense uh, and what Davis Mills has been able to do on offense, uh, give me the Texans to get their first win here on the road. Uh, 22-21-17. So um, both of these offenses have been bad. Um, I, I, I don't, I don't know what you've watched in Houston, but both the offenses have been bad. Houston no, I'm and not, Chicago I'm not are, saying, are both. I'm not saying let me finish. Bears. I'm not saying, but, but, but you're, you're, you're twisting my word. I don't, I but don't let me finish. It. You said they've been more impressive than the Chicago's offense. They're both bottom three. They're, they're bad. They're both averaging 14 and a half points in the game. A game. They're bad. Um, the one difference is Chicago's able to run the football and the Houston Texans defense is the worst against the run in the NFL right now. And I think David Montgomery is going to be the difference in this game. And then also when you look at the defensive side of the football, although Houston is in the top 10 in points allowed, as far as giving up points, they are worst in the league. They're giving up almost 450 yards a game uh, on the offensive side of the football. Um, the only team that has worse than that is Baltimore. And we all know why that Miami game. So uh, that is a big deal to me. I do think you end up having more opportunities in the red zone, more opportunities to score because you're moving the football. And I will take Chicago here 23 to 20. I am trying to pull up Mr. AJ Johnson's uh, predictions here. I, oh, I slid, slid I have, my mind. I have them. Oh, do you? Okay. Yeah. I have them both in one document. So AJ has, do, 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 oh, which one's AJ's? Oh, AJ, AJ has the Bears that? 20 to 1 to 20. 20 to 1 to 20? 20 to 1 to 20. Um, and Dylan has the Texans over the Bears. Uh, with no score prediction. What a guy. Unbelievable. The next game on our list, it is the Detroit Lions traveling to Minnesota to take on the Minnesota Vikings, who are six point favorites over the Lions with a 53 and a half over under in this game. The Lions have been impressing teams or impressing people so far with their heart, their will, their grind. They beat the commanders last week. They are one and one. The Vikings, on the other hand, uh, are in a situation where they had a great week one against the Green Bay Packers and then had a nice little letdown in week two against the uh, Philadelphia Eagles. Let's start off on the on the Lions side of things, though, and talk about how impressive they have been. Um, not flashing again, not just blowing people out of the water and that kind of stuff, but they've been competitive. They've won a football game. They've looked pretty good at times. Led by Amon Ross St. Brown, who has been absolutely dominant in the wide receiver game, helping a lot of people in fantasy as well. Um, he has been having a very, very good season. Aaron, with what Amon Ross St. Brown has been doing in this in the league uh, this year, where does he? Where are we starting to rank Amon Ross St. Brown amongst the the wide receivers uh, in this league right now? He's been red hot. Currently tied for the longest streak of eight plus receptions in a game. He's been very good. Where does he rank? Um, oh, this is, is this a trick question? Uh, it's not. Like as a wide receiver? As a wide receiver, yeah. Yeah. Like where where like where is he? Is he is he like start is he creeping up on the top ten? Is he like where 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 are you having him as opposed to where you had him last season? 
Well, we all know I rank wide receivers really differently than most people. So I'm going to be honest. He's not even inside my top 20 from a wide receiver standpoint. From a production standpoint, if we're talking fantasy and argument there, yeah, he's probably a wide receiver too at this point. And the way things are going, he probably might be able to jump into the wide receiver one category. But this is very similar to the Cooper Cup argument that I would make still. Um, if we are talking about physical attributes and the ability to play the wide receiver position, there are guys out there that are not as productive because of situation that are far better at wide receiver. If I had to choose between Terry McLaurin and Amonra St. Brown, I'm taking Terry McLaurin. Like that's from a football aspect. Again, I'm not knocking them on R.S.A. Brown. It's just what it is from a skill set perspective. Um, but they have done a good job of getting him the football and in, in ways that really is very, very creative. The Detroit Lions offense is one of the more creative offenses in the NFL right now. And I know that sounds crazy, but let's talk about what they've done through two games. 35 points a game, over 400 yards of offense, uh, 400 yards of offense in, in those two games. And that's with Jared Goff. This is not a quarterback that we looked at. We say slings it around and, and I get it. They, they have a great offensive line and the running game is good. So Ben Johnson has done a good job of being creative in that offense to get his skilled players the ball. And we talk about this with the Miami Dolphins and Mike McDaniels. When you do that, when you get DeAndre Swift, when you get Amon Ross St. Brown the ball, because of their attributes as a player, good things are going to happen. Amon Ross St. Brown is excellent after the catch. And he's shown that. So they get him reverses. They get him bubble screens. They get him, they get him in space, and he's able to create plays. And I think that's what's so impressive about this Lions offense. If you're a defense, you have your hands full with this offense. I could only imagine what this would look like with an you know, franchise guy at quarterback. Don't be dis- disrespecting Jared Goff, okay? He's been good. He's been good. Not I didn't great. say he wasn't good. I just said I, know, I didn't I know, say he I hasn't know. been good. He's just not a franchise I, quarterback. I know. On the Viking side of things, we've seen two different types of Vikings uh, teams in the first two weeks with a win over Green Bay and the loss against the Philadelphia Eagles. And what? Where are we at with the Minnesota Vikings? What do you think we've learned so far with this team? Um. I'm still worried about their defense, the way they played against Philadelphia. This is going to be a test. You know why? Because I think this is a perfect matchup for what I I need to see to gauge where Minnesota is at. I know it sounds crazy because it's the Detroit Lions and they could go in there and beat them, beat them up. But Detroit's offense is formidable. It's one of the better offenses in football, despite what anybody thinks. So you have to your defense that we your defense that we have questions about will have to go against another good offense. Will they be able to slow down Detroit? Will they be able to stop Detroit's offense? And then on the other end, a Minnesota offense that was good week one, but bad week two against a questionable Philly defense, at least questions from my part is going up against a bad Detroit lions defense. So you have your defense that's bad going against a good offense and your uh, defense on Detroit side. That's bad against your good offense. What are you going to do? Like that, this is going to tell me a lot about where Minnesota is going forward. I do expect them to win this game, but if this game is 38, 35, they are right exactly where I thought they'd be a good offense with a bad defense. And I have serious concerns about them going forward, but if they, if they can come out somehow come in here and win 31, 14, or, you know, even 28 to, to 17 and, and hold that Detroit offense where they look like they actually know what they're doing defensively, especially on the back end. Um, I, I think I'll be a little bit more impressed, but I just want to remind people, this is exactly what I told you was going to happen with Kevin O'Connell. Does Minnesota's team look special? Do they look different on offense? Do they, do, what looks special about them to anybody? Like everybody saw Kevin O'Connell coming in. What looks different? I, I, I'm curious. I really am. Well, I don't know I th- what looks I think, different. 
I, 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 I think I agreed with your point in the off season about, about this team that like the problem was never the offense. And that's what Kevin O'Connell was like, like everyone was hyped about him coming in and, and helping this offense out, but there really wasn't problems with the offense. It's this defense. And if they can get it all together, then they'd be a team to be, to be worried about. Um, but we haven't seen like the, like the offense still it, to me, the, through two weeks, the offense still looks the same as they did last year. Um, it's just this defense that needs to start taking those uh, little steps. The, those They're steps averaging towards getting 15 better. points a game through two weeks. I'd like to know what they were averaging last week or last year on around this time. Um, I guarantee it was more than 15 points a game. Yeah. In fact, I have that number right here. I have that number right here. Points per game in in 2021. They they definitely finished higher. Oh, they wanted to get out. You son mama. (laughs) They, you know, they love to go back to 2022 every time you bring up a new screen. So through two weeks last year, they played Cincinnati and Arizona lost two close games, one in overtime, one to Arizona, 34, 33. Uh, They had, they were averaging almost 30 points a game. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's for 350 yards week one. Yeah. He did. He had a good week one this year. Like it's, it's very similar because they have great offensive players. We, and and so all they do now is instead of having a fullback or an extra tight end, they run with three wide receiver sets and they do a little bit more creative stuff on offense, but the results are not different. And that's the problem. That's what I was trying to tell everybody. Like, it's not going to come in and change the, what Minnesota does offensively. They're a good offense. Yeah. I and with that, I am going with the Vikings uh, 28 24 in this game. I think the Lions still go, a good team. They're going to battle it out to the end, uh, but it'll be the Vikings winning this one at home 28 24. There's no way this game is 28 24. There's going to be so much more scoring because Detroit's defense is really bad, and Minnesota's defense is not going to be able to stop Detroit. This is a week one Philadelphia Eagles style game. Uh, Detroit and Minnesota will both score over 30 here. I say 35, 30 Minnesota. Okay. 35, 30 Minnesota. AJ has the Vikings 27, 21. And Dylan has the Vikings as well. What a guy. Of course he does. He had him in the NFC championship last year. Next up on our list. We actually mentioned this team a lot in our last, uh, last little preview. It's the Philadelphia Eagles traveling to Washington DC to take on the commanders. The Eagles are six and a half point favorites in this game with an over under of 47. Let's just get it out of the way right now. This is a Carson Wentz. It's Carson Wentz revenge game. Uh, he returns or he faces his former team in the Philadelphia Eagles. We travel back in time to look back at this, uh, not a trade, but this, uh, the passing of the torch between Carson Wentz and Jalen Hurts since 2021. Jalen Hurts has been very good with the Philadelphia Eagles and Carson Wentz has been not so bad everywhere else. I mean, I think when you look at this graphic, the stats show maybe not everything, that Carson Wentz has done since he left Philadelphia. See, this is why I don't, I don't like think this. that I, and well, let me get, let me get to my point here. Let me get to my point here. Carson Wentz statistically is not a bad quarterback. Carson Wentz statistically is a slightly above average quarterback. Okay. But it's when it comes down to it, Carson Wentz is not able to get the job done. So when you see stats like that, maybe that's what you're upset about. 
is when you see stats like that, it's more I'm upset at you. I'm upset at you because the word choice you use. I suck at my words. I suck at everything I do in my life. What are you mad about now? You brought up that graphic and then you said Jalen Hurts has been very good. No, he hasn't. No, this he hasn't. Said this season. I mean, like, yeah, maybe this season, yes. But you said, like, oh, over this is since 2021. Jalen Hurts was not very good last year. Like, he was okay last year. I'm not saying he's bad, but we have to be very careful about saying if somebody's very good, and then you put up stats next to Carson Wentz that are demolishing the numbers that Jalen Hurts put up there, by the way. It, that looks like Carson Wentz is a far superior quarterback to Jalen Hurts, and that really isn't the case. You're right in that aspect. Carson Wentz is serviceable. This is not why we call Carson Wentz the turd. It's not that Carson Wentz should, does not belong in the NFL. And I've said this over and over and over again. Sure, if you want him on your team, great. But this is not why I call him a turd. I call him a turd because he got a $100 million contract. A $100 million contract. He got paid as if he was a top quarterback in the NFL. That's the standard I'm holding him to. He was the number two overall pick or three overall pick, whichever it was. That's the standard I'm holding him to. If you just want to tell me Carson Wentz is a guy that's going to play quarterback and he'll have some wins, he'll have some losses, throw some touchdowns, throw some picks. He can start in the league for 12 years, never win any play. Playoffs. Fine. I'm on board with that. But if you want to tell me he's the number two overall pick, hundred million dollar guy, he has to be better. That's why I call him a turd. I'm comparing him to those other guys that are making it. And I'm going to say this, and Cowboy fans don't kill me because I am a Cowboy fan. That same conversation is going to be had about Dak Prescott. If he continues to get hurt, it's Carson Wentz-esque, and then he can't get it done in the playoffs. Those are the same conversations that are going to be had. So, And I'm okay with that because at some point you have to be able to live up to what you were you were billed to be, top pick, or $100 million guy, $40 million a year guy, and Carson Wentz has not lived up to that. That's why he has a big turd on his face, not because he can't play quarterback. That's accurate. That's accurate. Uh, I'm glad our fans noticed that when you freeze at some of the best times. It's it's, it's so annoying, and I'm thinking about shifting my whole studio back out to the – Yeah, what – what you used to have decent – So the, you oh, used to I'm have Carson Georgia. Wentz internet. You used to have I'm, Carson Wentz internet. I'm in Georgia now, guys. So George is a little different. I, I'm in the country. I well, mean, no, I, even when you my, my apartment is actually called Country Place Apartments. That I'd be lucky. I'm lucky I have any service out here. No, remember, because remember, I was trying to use my hotspot. That didn't work. There were days I couldn't do anything. Yeah. Since I've been I, in this I, apartment, it's been rough out here. Um, it has been it's a rough life. Been rough. Mediacom. Uh-huh. Anybody know Mediacom? exactly that's my internet i don't know what they are yeah i got frontier okay hey maybe i should pay my bill you think that would help that could possibly make a difference (laughs) but back to this game so the eagles taking on the commanders two and oh eagles one and one commanders uh the commanders right now are allowing the most yards per rush uh in the nfl and the eagles are second in the league in nfl rushing yards per game so it's gonna gonna be a rushing onslaught um is that is is yeah. that what you're watching for here? Philadelphia's offense has changed when they committed to the run. And this is when Jalen Hurts started playing well last year. When they decided to run the football, that's when their offense changed. We saw Miles Sanders, Boston Scott, Kenneth Gainwell. When they, that is the focal point of their offense. It's so much easier as an offense. But look at the good offenses in the NFL right now. 
We talk about the passing games, but Philadelphia and Detroit both are excellent running football teams, and that's created opportunities for them. When you are a maybe a less superior talented at, at quarterback, you don't have Josh Allen, you don't have Patrick Mahomes, you run the football and look how good that makes your quarterback look. It's This is what we've talked about for a number of years. 2016, Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott. Ran te- run team first, Dak looks like he's one of the best quarterbacks in football. Russell Wilson over the course of his career in Seattle, when they ran the ball first, he's winning Super Bowls. Like, franchise guys develop into franchise guys at the quarterback position over years of experience. All of those quarterbacks started with running games first. Like they all did. I mean, you get the exceptions, obviously when you get Patrick Mahomes, but all of them, Tom Brady, wasn't Tom Brady. They ran the football and played defense. Peyton Manning's team. Adrian James. Goodness gracious. That's what's going on here. Let's move on. Shit. Unbelievable. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> let's go. Let's, let's, let's keep going. All right. Uh, let's get into the predictions for this game then. Uh, Eagles, Commanders, who you got? Uh, I'm going to take the Eagles in this game. I don't think Washington's very good. Um, I, I You see how high I had Philly. Uh, I will take Philly 33 to 24. I will go Philly as well, 35 21. Uh, Eagles. Uh, AJ has the Eagles winning this game 35 24. Commanders over Eagles for Dylan. What a clown. What an absolute. Oh, man. I'm if it's a division if he gets, game. It is I, division I was going to say, if like he the, gets it right, if he gets it right, it's going to come back to bite me in the ass because I just said that. But yeah, I mean, uh, Philly's on the road. So that and it's a division game. It could be. That's that's true. On to our next game. It is the New Orleans Saints traveling to Carolina to take on uh, the Carolina Panthers. The Saints are three point favorites in this game with an over under of 40 and a half points. Aaron, I'm a little concerned here. I'm a little well, concerned at what – I guess since it's on the road and they're three-point favorites, like it's a bigger – it's like that that margin is a little bit bigger. But like I just six. see – I just – yeah, it's about six. But like I just see the Saints just being a three-point favorite in this game, like just by that. And maybe it's six because of the logic of Vegas and all that kind of stuff. But I feel like it should be more. Are the, are the Saints not – are people a little bit more down on the saints than what they should be? No, I think that's what, I think that's what they are. I don't think, I think people have to realize they're not as explosive as they once were. So they're not the type of team that's going to go out and just drop 35, 40 points on you like they used to be. And I think that's a big deal, Um, but their defense is stout. And against the Carolina Panthers team, that's let's be honest, very blah offensively with Baker Mayfield at quarterback outside of Christian McCaffrey. What else do you have? Um, I think this line is set perfectly. It's also a division game. You got to remember that division game. I know it doesn't seem like these teams are rivalries, but they still play each other twice a year. They know each other really well. Uh, I expect for the Saints defense to be as dominant as they were against Tampa. Um, Dominant as they were against Atlanta early uh, or no late, I should say to that allowed them to come back. Um, So yeah, I I think this is up there. I I am a little shocked at the over-under. I think that's a little bit low. Maybe a more of a uh, 44-ish would have been my number, but um, I'm not surprised by the line at all. 
what timing that that we get this news on on the on the show while we're talking about this game uh i guess it's i don't know if it is breaking news but an update uh christian mccaffrey has been taken off the injury report and will play sunday let's not fear about christian mccaffrey in this game they put him on the Um, injury report with ankle stiffness come on guys that's something that's something. Um, but so in this game, though, uh, we have two quarterbacks, uh, Baker Mayfield and Jameis Winston, two former first overall picks. Um, wait, was Jameis a first overall pick? I don't. Yeah, he was. Yeah, I'm just yes. trying to remember correctly. Um, two former first overall picks. I'm going to start with Jameis Winston. Uh, we've got we've got a tale of two Jameises here, Aaron. We got a tale of two Jameises. In week one, he was good. In week two, he was bad. I feel like this is what you're going to get with Jameis Winston, right? Is this, is this who Jameis Winston is? You're just going to get, and you have to take your lumps when, with his bad games and his good games. This is just who he is. I actually don't think it's who he is. Um, I think we saw a different Jameis Winston in 2021 before the injury. And I think that's the Jameis we really have here. I think what happened in that Tampa game was he started getting behind because early he was fine. Uh, he started getting behind and then he was starting to force things. That's when Jameis gets into trouble, when he tries to push the ball down the field in times when he shouldn't push the ball down the field. By the way, Chris Olave, you got to be better at trying to go get that ball. Um, But that's beside the point. Um, I think Jameis is okay. Uh, As crazy as it sounds, I know it's one game, but I do think Jameis will be okay going forward. The problem is they need to make sure they continue to run the football. I mentioned this last week. Mark Ingram and Dwayne Washington were running really well against Tampa, and then they stopped running the football. Hopefully you get Alvin Kamara back. They have to find ways to get him the ball. And then Jameis can can find his spots when he wants to take those shots, and it's a little bit more controlled. It's less uh, forced, and and, and I think that'll help Jameis. Is he going to have bad games? Yes, every quarterback does. It happens. Um, but I don't think this is a consistent, Hey, he's going to have games where he's throwing three picks all the time. I think he's more controlled. I think he's a much better player physically and mentally than he was three years ago. Um, so I'm not as concerned about Jameis Winston as I, as I think some people are after one bad week against a really good Tampa defense. Um, I'm just not. Okay. Fair enough. On the other side, it's Baker Mayfield who we have been harsh on. Um, I mean, this is, this is what it is with Baker Mayfield. Let's, Let's let's talk about it now with Baker Mayfield through two weeks. He has not been that great. Uh, his stats have not been that great. He is underperformed. I mean, the team around him hasn't been that great either, but Baker Mayfield also hasn't been that great, great ranking very low in the NFL in terms of just about everything, except he's 19th in touchdown percentage, which I guess that's better. Um, but 28th in yards, 32nd in, in QBR. And I want to bring this up because you, you mentioned this the other day about how and what factors into QBR and that being the true telling sign of where Baker Mayfield is and what he's been able to do in Carolina so far. Um, Dive, can you, can you elaborate more on that and maybe tell us, uh, talk a little bit more about Baker Mayfield and whether or not we're out on him? Yeah. So just like QBR is a different metric, like passer rating doesn't account for, certain things like when there's a bad offensive line play or anything like that. So the metric of QBR takes into consideration everything that a quarterback contributes to a game, including passing, rushing sacks, penalties, turnovers, uh, um, fourth quarter is Baker Mayfield making plays when he's supposed to, is it a third and three throw versus a first and 10 throw in the first quarter? All of those things are taken into consideration. And that's a true testament of what the quarterback brings as value. So, Baker Mayfield's value right now. That's we talk about QBR is value really to your team His QBR this year 
is 23.8. It's the lowest of his career through two games. I get it. But he's never been – his highest of his career was in 2020 when they went 11-5, and five, and he was a QBR of 65.5. He threw for 3,500 yards that year, 26 touchdowns, eight interceptions. Baker Mayfield was a number one overall pick. Again, can he start in this league? Absolutely. Can he play? Yes. This is about being a number one overall pick who is supposed to be your franchise quarterback. You and but he has to have everything perfect around him. You can't be that guy if everything around you has to be perfect, because we ask Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, Josh Allen, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady. We ask all of those guys to make up for deficiencies. Baker Mayfield can't do that. So when Carolina can't run the football, Baker Mayfield, we're asking you to make up for that. He can't do it. When Carolina's defense is playing bad, we ask Baker Mayfield, we need more points. He can't do it. Everything has to be perfect around Baker Mayfield in order for him to be successful. And the one perfect year around him was an excellent running game. A great defense was in 2020. They went 11 and five, won a playoff game and almost beat the Chiefs. And that's as far as he's got, because that's when everything was perfect around him. And right now it's not. And that's why Baker Mayfield is judged so harshly. Again, if you want to compare him to the other bottom 10 quarterbacks in the league, sure, he's better than those guys. But who cares? That's not what we want from Baker Mayfield. You were being judged to be the first round draft pick that you were, and he's not lived up to that billing. And again, very similarly to, to Carson Wentz or Daniel Jones, we're going to hold these standards because you were invested in. You are not living up to that investment. So I'm going to judge this you based on that. So I guess since Carson Wentz has been following Carson Wentz everywhere, no matter what team he's been on, that the investment is still there. I, I just wondering what, when does that, when does that conversation just die? Like, when do we just stop thinking about, okay, now this is just what he is. And like that, like it's when we stop, when we stop talking about him every time they go to a new team, it, that's really what it is. When, when, when a quarterback goes to a new team, like for instance, Carson Wentz, when they, they talked about him in Philly MVP candidate, he goes to the Colts. What's the first thing everybody said? Oh, perfect fit. He's going to resurrect his career. And then it's like, ah, it didn't work out with the Colts. And it's Washington. Then you hear even the, the team itself. Oh, this is perfect. He's going to come in. He's going to resurrect. Like when we stop, when that move is made, and I'm not, I'm not saying you can't mention it, but when it's not a big deal, when it's like, oh, this guy was signed by the Washington commanders, he's going to compete for a job. Cool. Because that's what they're doing. They're competing for a job still. And, and Baker Mayfield, the whole offseason was – where is he going to go? Where is he going to end up? Seattle. Like there's too much when there's that much noise around you. That means you still have some clout. The reason you have that clout is because you were the number one overall pick. And so we do give chances, but let me ask you this question. How quickly did the Josh Rosen talk die? And he was a top pick. How quick did it die? Let me ask you this question. Now, if Sam Darnold goes to a new team next year, which he will, do you think it's going to be a big deal? Mm, no don't mention it but it's not going to be a big deal anymore because i think people are already there with that so that's what i mean like you just you'll get you'll mention it it'll be something and okay. you'll move on that's all that makes that's fair that's fair i get I, I get that um in this game i do have the saints uh in winning this one um i'll, I'll go saints 28 panthers 17 i have 27 20 um new orleans AJ has nineteen thirteen Saints. Um, looking for I swear Dylan, I, Dylan took Dylan the Panthers. Okay, 
It's hard to like when they send in that list like that. It's like hard yeah. to like like I don't go know why they, and scout. I don't know why they just can't put it. Yeah, whatever. whatever. Yeah, yeah. It's like we don't have docs or something. Um, okay, you would think we didn't have a doc or something. Yeah. Uh, so okay. Next game on the list, it is the Los Angeles Rams traveling to Arizona to take on the Cardinals, where the Rams are three and a half point favorites with an over under of 48 and a half points here in this game. Uh, the Rams are the Rams are one and one, one and one after barely holding on uh, against the Atlanta Falcons last week and losing, obviously, to the Buffalo Bills in week one the cardinals on the other hand was uh they were able to complete the comeback against the raiders last week to get their first win of the season i want to start here with the rams for for um i want to yeah i want to start here with the rams week one was disappointing from the rams although they faced a very good buffalo bills team week two we saw some of the names we were hopeful for on the offense come out in Allen robinson and cam Akers. not a lot from them but enough to start seeing okay maybe that maybe they can get involved maybe they can get things going um is that what they need is that what this rams offense needs to get back to to what they were before is to get guys like alan robinson and cam makers uh involved more um no yes and yes and no because it's kind of twofold they need to be able to run the football Sean McVay's offense is built on running the football. Think about the time that they went to the Super Bowl, which was against New England. It was running the football, play action, then make plays. The same thing happened last year. It wasn't just Matt Stafford and Cooper Cup. And I know everybody wants to say that because of the MVP, and but they were a run-first team. Sony Michelle, Cam Aker, they were run-first, play action. Run-first, play action. It creates so much offensively. And this year, right now, that running game is atrocious. They're, they're second worst in the league in rushing yards per game. They've only had 58 and a half rush yards in a game. And that's significantly less. Like, it's Seattle, it's them, and it's not close. Like, everybody else is just way ahead of them. And, and that's a problem. Their offense isn't moving the ball like they used to move the ball. Um, they're not – it's like they can't run it, so in turn – they can't throw it. So their offense is just bottom of the league in, in general. And, and that's a problem because you're talking about a, a team coming off of a, a championship when you're bottom seven on offense, when you're grouped with offenses like the Tennessee Titans and the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Carolina Panthers, who we've all sat up here and said, these offenses aren't good. And you look at the Rams roster and you got Allen Robinson, Cooper Cup, Cam Makers, Daryl Henderson, Tyler Higby, Matt Stafford. And you're like, why are you grouped here? It starts up front with that offensive line. They have not been able to move the football because that offensive line has not been able to block. And so that's a huge deal to me. I think it's a matter of getting back to what their foundation is, which is running the football. And I think then you'll start to see some improvements. And then they got to stop take, you know, they got to stop turning the ball over. Um, Stafford himself has to stop turning the ball over. It's it's just too much. They're, they lead the league in turnovers right now. You, you can't give the ball to the other team. You just can't. Yeah, no, I agree. And this is the team that obviously won the Super Bowl last year that we're hoping to see uh, bounce back this year. Um, what do you think the Cardinals did last week that uh, – it's a similar question I've asked before with other teams. They obviously – had a different second half than they did in the first half against the Raiders. They were able to come back and, and get the job done. What did you see from the Cardinals that they did right? It wasn't happening in the first half that they needed to take into this game. <laughs> you know, what's funny is uh, you, you watch, you watch Disney and Marvel and stuff, right? I do. So um, I don't I remember which one it was, but like the, one of the Marvels was like, uh, 
the Avengers were like, oh, we, we got a Hulk. Well, the Cardinals got a Kyler. That's, I mean, that's what they have. That's what they did in the second half. They got a Kyler. Kyler carried them to a win. I don't know that they did anything special, but when you can do this and you're playing, you know, video game style football, ball and do things like that when you can do things like that i think it's it breeds success and so i don't know that they did anything special i don't know that they are better because of it but i know that they have a guy that is capable of doing things like that and that's kyler murray so i don't really know what to make of the cardinals right now i'll be honest this game is very hard for me to pick because i actually want to pick the cardinals in this game uh, because of the way the rams have been playing but the cardinals haven't been shown me much either so um yeah, they got they got a special talent, and that's why they were able to score, you know, twenty what twenty nine points in the second yeah. half in overtime. Yep. Yeah, they they. I mean, it was it was amazing what what Kyler Murray was able to do uh, for the Cardinals last week, and especially on that two point conversion and throughout that game. But something I want to know and see if you even care about this because I know you normally like it doesn't matter this and that with this <laughs> Kyler Murray against the Rams has not been good. One in yeah. six against the Rams, seven touchdowns to eight interceptions. Uh, his pressure, his pressure rate is is the worst. Is there, I, everything is the worst when he plays against the Rams? He has not been very good. I'll start off with that. Do you think it matters that Kyler Murray is not a good against the Rams? And also, do you think that this game may be different, and we may see a different type of Kyler Murray against the Rams? I do think it matters. I definitely think that matters. Matchups matter. And I think they do a good job of containing him. And then now you add that with no DeAndre Hopkins. I think that's going to be something uh, to watch for. And that's probably what's the only thing that's keeping me from picking the Cardinals in this game at home is the success that he hasn't had against this Rams team. Um, Now there's some injuries over there, Troy Hill, and maybe, you know, maybe they could take care of some matchups, but the Cardinals are banged up themselves. Um, So yeah, it's going to be a factor. I think that we, we have to look at, is Kyler able to beat a team that he hasn't been able to beat? We talk about it all the time. Sometimes matchups matter and Jaguars against the Colts, Kyler against the Rams, the Rams against the 49ers. We talked about this last year. They were finally able to get over the hump in the, or the NFC championship game, but they had hard time. They have a hard time with the Niners. So this is one of those matchups that's going to be tough for the Cardinals. It's a tough game to pick. This is my, this is like one of my hardest games outside of, I think one other one. It's tough and it's funny because like you think about it, like if the I guess it could be said either for either side of things. It's like if the Rams were like playing up to their standard, like if the Rams were playing up to what we expected the Rams to be playing at, then I think this game would be easy to pick because of the way the Cardinals have played. But I think it's that that statement could be said for both ways. Like if the Cardinals are playing up to the standards that we thought they would be at, this game would be hard. But I think at the end of the day, I think the Rams win this game. I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with the road team here and go with the Rams 20. I'll go 28, 27. I think it's a close game. I think the Rams get the job done. Um, I'm hoping that the late spark that Arizona got Kyler getting slapped in the face. Um, <laughs> wake, wake, wakes them up a little bit. I, I, I'm, I'm hoping it wakes them up a little bit. And I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to take Arizona I like splitting these division games when there's two teams that I think are capable teams. And I think Arizona is a capable team. I think Arizona wins this game. And I'm going to say it's, I think it's more defensive than, than uh, it's led on to believe. I'm going to say 24 to 20, 24, 21 Cardinals. 
AJ has the Rams here 30 to 21. Then uh, Dylan has the Rams as well. All righty. Next game on the list. It's the Atlanta Falcons traveling to Seattle. To take on the Seahawks. Seahawks two point favorites in this game with an over under of 42 points here. The Falcons last week had a good week. I mean, it wasn't a, it wasn't a terrible week for the Atlanta Falcons, especially because they got bumped up a spot in our power rankings. If you missed that episode, go check it out now on YouTube. Uh, but the Falcons were able to keep it close against the Los Angeles Rams late in that game. They fell short, um, but they're improving week by week. And that's what you want to see from a young team like this. They take on the Seattle Seahawks, who got the first win against Denver and then lost last week to San Francisco 49ers. Two teams, both rebuilding, what do you want to see from from these teams? Like what as as rebuilding teams, is it the same thing that you want to see from both teams or maybe is it different for the Falcons as it is from the Seahawks? So I don't know that if people know this because I know the Seahawks are one and one, but they are they have been one of the worst teams, worst offenses in the NFL. Like it's they haven't scored in a game and a half. They haven't scored since the first half of that Denver game on, from on the offense. Zeros. Zero points, not, not a field goal, not a, not a, not a, Hey, let's get lucky. No, they haven't scored at all since the first half of that Denver game. And that's a problem um, for me like that. They have not been able able to they are the worst team rushing the football. We talked about them wanting to lean on the run first and yet they are worse than the NFL and rushing and rushing. Uh, Geno Smith won the job or was given the job. I don't know if he won it, but he was given the job, played a great first half against the revenge game against the Russell Wilson. And they've done nothing since absolutely nothing since on the offensive side of the football. I, I, I don't know what to make of them. They have two really good wide receivers. I thought they had a decent running game and yet they have nothing to show for it. So where do they go from here? Um, you have to be more encouraged about the Falcons in this game than you do the Seahawks. I just don't know where they go. On the Falcons side, Drake London has been a bright spot and showing why they drafted him uh, so far through two games as 160 yards, uh, second most in first two career games in Falcons history. Uh, he's been very good, but someone who has not been that great on this Falcons offense is Kyle Pitts. He saw seven targets in week one, only had two receptions for 19 receiving yards. In week two, only three targets, but two receptions and shocker once again, 19 receiving yards. So 19 receiving yards in back-to-back games from Kyle Pitts. Is it Kyle Pitts not getting what 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 is the problem here with Kyle Pitts? Last year he had a breakout or a great year in his rookie season. This year starting off slow. What is it with Kyle Pitts and this offense right now? Well, number one, I'm gonna say he's a tight end. So we have to be we have to calm down a little bit on what we expect from Kyle Pitts. There are not many offenses in the NFL that run their offense through their tight end. Kansas City, uh, Baltimore, even the 49ers don't run it through George Kittle. He's just very, very productive. So Atlanta is not running this offense through Kyle Pitts. They are just running their offense. And Kyle Pitts is, is expected to win. And Mariota is expected to find him and get, you know, get him the ball when he's open. It doesn't work that way in the NFL. This is why I always, this is why I told AJ, I don't invest in Kyle Pitts. Not that he's not good. He's, you put him with a coach that's going to do what he needs to do. He will have great yardage, great numbers, but the impact on a game for a tight end in the receiving game is different. 
And right now they are just running their offense. And when he's open, he's open. And when he's not, he's not going to him. They are not force feeding him the ball. They are not putting him in spots where he's uh, the main target or finding scheming him to get open. And Arthur Smith came out and said, I'm not worried about his production. I'm worried about winning. And that tells me that they're not focused on getting him the football. Now, would they like to get it to him more? Sure. But they're not designing that offense to run through him. This is not Travis Kelsey. This is not Mark Andrews. Those offenses are designed to run through those guys. It's a big difference. And so this is not Kyle Pitts' problem. Kyle Pitts is still running his routes. I'm sure he's still winning, but Mariota's got to find him. If he's his first read and he's not open right away, he's going to his next guy. He's not sitting on him forever. So uh, you got a new young receiver in Drake London who's being productive. you got Cordero Patterson, who's a, an effective player out of the backfield. He's got a, a, a decent amount of guys he can get the ball to. He's not just zoning in on Kyle Pitts. And I think... I think that's why his production is low, but I also think that's why the Atlanta Falcons are playing better. Like you could, you could just try to get the ball to Kyle Pitts, but are you going to be able to win or give yourself an opportunity to win? I don't know that that's true. So I'm okay with it as long as it's not coming at the detriment of the team. And so, yes, you want to find ways to get them more involved, especially in the red zone. I think they need to use him more, but overall, like this is just a couple of games where Kyle Pitts didn't produce. And it's going to happen throughout the course of his career because he's not with a guy like Andy Reid or John Harbaugh, I guess. Fair enough. I, uh, I, this game is tough for me just because both these teams are so, are like, I feel like both these teams are fairly on the same level. You look at our power rankings, they are almost back to back in that, in our power rankings. Uh, who do you have in this game? Before I get to that, I do want to address this. Um, because I think that's a, a, an important point. That's my point. They shouldn't have spent the top five pick on him. But guess what? TJ Hawkinson was a top pick too. And how is he? I was waiting until you came back. I was waiting until you came back. TJ Hawkinson was a top pick and he's not used that way either. And we aren't asking about him like, it's the same thing because they have a bunch of other guys and they just run their offense. You don't design your offense through a tight end. That is kind of the most important point. Only a few teams do that. I will take Seattle in this game though. I have a feeling the crowd's going to be involved um, and they're at home. Yeah. Two bad teams. I'm going to, I'm going to lean Seattle. I will take them 20 to 17. Yeah, I, I, I'm going Seattle as well, 19 to 17. AJ, of course, has the Falcons 28 to 23. Um, you know, I, I do want, I, I want you to. Dylan has the Seahawks as well. I, I, I still have the Seahawks winning. Let me go, let me change that score 26 24 Seahawks, just because I, I do think the offense for the Falcons has been clicking a little bit more, and I want to give them the credit that they deserve. Um, but I still think that, that like you said, it's a, the home being on being at home for Seattle, I think matters in this game. Um, but if, if Seattle does lose and we have a few comments in here um, talking about Drew Locke, if Seattle loses, are we starting to talk about Drew Locke a little bit more? Sure. Do they need to go to Drew I mean, Locke if, if they lose? I told you Drew Locke should have started the season. I know what Geno Smith is. I'm not saying he's terrible, but this is Geno. Like I know what Geno is. I've seen yeah. Geno Smith. Uh, a number of years. I, I, I We've seen Drew Locke too, but um, I think we've seen Geno Smith on multiple teams now, the Jets, and now here in Seattle, and we know what he is. Drew Locke has not played for Seattle yet. Um, yeah. As, 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 you know, as crazy as that might sound, he's never played a regular season game. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, it makes sense. 
Next game on our list, we've got two more left here. Next game on our list is the Green Bay Packers traveling to Tampa to take on the Buccaneers. The Bucs are one and a half point favorites with an over under of 42 points in this game. Honestly, dude, it's been I, I can't keep track of what this uh, with the what the odds makers are trying to put a uh, favor in this game. It has been Bucks one and a half even and then Bucks one and then even it's like I don't even think I don't think Vegas knows what to do in this situation for who want who they think well, they're not driving. Game. They're not driving the line. The, the betters driving. are driving the line. The what? The betters are driving the line. So when that goes from one and a half to even, it means that more people are putting money on the other side. When it goes back to one and a half, then they're putting money on the other side. The so, public so, is driving with the number. So the public doesn't obviously know what they want here when it comes to choosing the Packers or it's the Bucks. Yeah, that, that's 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 what it's coming down to here. But let's flash you back. Let's let's flash you back. And this moment is not only just special uh, because of it, th- this moment not only matters because of this game, but it's special and holds a, a soft spot in my heart. And I'll tell you after. But last year, two years ago, 2020 NFC Championship game, the Green Bay Packers took on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Packers were down eight points. And instead of Letting Aaron Rodgers stay on the field, they decided to say, okay, let's kick this field goal and let's hope we get the ball back and then put it in Aaron Rodgers' hands. They never got the ball back. Tampa won that game, would go on to the Super Bowl. They would win the Super Bowl. um, But we never got to see Aaron Rodgers with the ball again in that NFC title game. And Aaron, I don't know if you remember this, but this was the for one of the biggest episodes in our sh- our personal friend group's history when we did the NFC Championship game. Dylan lost his shit about Aaron Rodgers. We recapped this game, and we were all questioning the move from Matt Lafleur about not giving Aaron Rodgers the ball. That's enough of my soliloquy flashback here. It's twenty twenty two. Different story. Maybe you're huffing and puffing. What? How are you feeling? I remember, I was, I, I'm actually upset at myself because I don't remember the conversation or which side. I mean, I remember the conversation, but I don't re- remember which side I was on. And that bothers me right now. Because we'll my, my take now is a little bit, a little bit different. Like I, maybe, maybe it's different. Maybe it's the exact same. I'll be honest. I don't remember what I thought about that. Well, let, let, let me ask you some questions about this game and I will do my producer job and I will go look up where you stood on the matter. Um, but let's talk about this game here. The Packers rushing attack has been absolutely incredible for, for them so far has been the highlight of this team. Although in the off season, we did talk about how the Packers were going to lean on Aaron Jones. And he was going to be their number one receiver at the end of the day. It's been Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon really getting the job done for this team. Um, what have you liked so much? Can they rely on this style all season long? I should, that's the question I should be asking here. Can they rely on this, the way this offense is running all season long and taking it into the playoffs? Yeah, I don't see why not. They've done it before. This is not the first time this offense has ran this way. We talked about, I talked about this, uh, I believe last week. Um, they, when Matt LaFleur first got there, this is what, this is what the Green Bay Packers did. And, and it, everybody talked about Aaron Rodgers not liking it or being unhappy about it. But this is this is what they did. He only threw the ball, um, only threw the ball 569 times when he first got there. Then it was 526. Then it's 531. He doesn't, their their offense is slower paced. He doesn't throw the ball a ton like some of these quarterbacks are well over 600 pass attempts. But that season he was 
Well, he was 25 and 25 touchdowns, two interceptions, then 26 and four, then 48 and five. They've relied on this running game now for a couple of years, and this is what their offense is. They are a slow-paced, very efficient and effective offense. I absolutely think it's something that they can keep up. I think it's what they need to keep up because it allows those wide receivers to make impact plays but not be relied upon to make every play, and I think that's important for the Green Bay Packers. So Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, get them involved. If if Aaron Rodgers only throws 26 touchdowns and throws four picks this year – for 4,000 yards again, guess what? Green Bay probably won the division, probably sitting as a top seed in the NFC and probably making another deep playoff run. Because that it's, defense uh, is really good too. Yeah, no, their defense is really good, but also their defense was really bad in uh, in week one against the Minnesota Vikings. Which defense do you think steps up here in this game? And do you think that it's maybe a trend that we're going to see with the Green Bay Packers of – Packers, good defense. Packers, bad defense. Packers, good defense. Packers, bad defense. You think that's the trend, or do you think this defense kind of levels out and becomes consistent for the rest of the season? No, the Packers are the Packers are a good defense. Uh, you know me. I'm not going to ever react to just one game, a division game, one week. Um, and despite I know they didn't, they were not good early in that Minnesota game, but they did tighten up late in that game. And it wasn't like they were atrocious. They only gave up 23 points. It's not like they gave up 30. Um, So if that's a bad defense, then, Hey, uh, I'm all for it. Like right now they're only giving up 16 points per game. That's number seven in the NFL right now. And that's with a quote bad game. So if that's a bad game, I don't, I, yeah, send it. I'll take that all year yards per game. They're only giving up 311. That's top 10. Um, I, I don't know. They're only giving up 150. Well, I can't say, I can't say that because that was Justin Fields. I don't count. <laughs> um, yeah. Justin well, Fields thinking, does not yeah, count. That's the thing against a good offense. This defense got beat against a bad offense. This defense well, looked great. Beat, beat is, is, is hard to say when your offense only scores seven points. I mean, if you told me that week one, Minnesota was going to go to green or, or they were going to play green Bay and green Bay or Minnesota was going to score 23 points. Everybody that you know would have picked Green Bay. Yes or no? Most yeah. part, everybody you know would have picked Green Bay. And that's yeah. and that's the thing. So I don't think their defense played bad. It wasn't their best game, but I don't think they played bad. And I think that's the but that's how good this roster is. That's what we hold them to. The expectations we hold them to is supposed to be elite. So yeah, they're gonna have some games where they give up a little bit more because that's football. But I have no concerns about their defense. I think their defense is good. And as long as their offense stays on the field. And keeps their defense at advantageous situations, they'll they'll continue to be good. Um, and I think they can do that here against Tampa as well. On the Packers or on the Bucks side of things, obviously a very banged up and torn apart wide receiver group. No Mike Evans in this game, no Chris Godwin in this game, borderline no Julio Jones in this game. Who steps up for this Bucks offense without pretty much every one of their wide receivers? Um should I say Brashad Perriman? Um, no, I, I don't, I don't know. Russell Gage. I, I mean, I mean, if you're looking for weapons, I, I would say it needs to be Leonard Fournette. Leonard Fournette needs to have a good day. He did not have a good day last week, uh, despite you saying he did. Um, so yeah, I would say, I would say it's Leonard Fournette or maybe the offensive line uh, playing a little bit better, allowing Tom Brady. You can see the frustration on Tom Brady's face and, 
I'm sorry. I love it when Tom Brady gets frustrated. I love him breaking the tablets on the sideline and doing things like that. It's one of those situations where he's experienced everything that there is to offer in the NFL. And, and he knows like either some guys not making a play, maybe it's him, maybe it's not, but I, I think collectively they just need to be more efficient. Leonard Fournette has to run the football well because that'll open up play action. Play action will allow Cameron Brayton, Russell Gage to get um, over the middle of the field. That play action will also allow the deep shots to Brashad Perriman, and then hopefully they can put up enough points to hang with the Green Bay team that I think can have some success running the football, especially you look at week one Dallas. Dallas had a running game against Tampa, was going well early, stopped running the football. Week two, New Orleans, running well early against that Tampa defense, got had it was pretty efficient, stopped running the football, and that's when the game changed. So when Green Bay gets on the field, and we just talked about it, Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, I expect them to continue to run the football going directly at the middle of that Tampa Bay defense. Make Devin, um, Devin Smith, Devin Lloyd always get those two mixed up. Devin Smith continue to make tackles, make those safeties come up, and then you, Aaron Rodgers, you take your shots to Christian Watkins, to Sammy Watkins, to – uh, Christian Watson, Sammy Watkins, or Alan Lazard. I, I think it's important for Green Bay to stay grounded in this game, but I would like them to speed up the pace, even though I know Matt LaFleur is probably not going to do that because, again, this offense is one of the slowest offenses in all of the NFL, so I don't expect that to change uh, week three of 2022. Well done. Well done. That gave me enough time to be able to travel back in time to see what you said about Your mic Aaron is off, Rogers. by the way. Your mic is off. I don't know. My mic is off? It's it's not the same. It's you're talking through something else. It sounds different. What? I mean, it's fine. I'm just telling you, it sounds loud. That's weird, because oh. my mic is is on the same thing as it was before. Can you hear me now? Now are we good? Now you sound now you sound good. That's very weird. Um, to go back in time to 2020 when this when the NFC Championship game um, with the Packers and the Bucks. You where you stood on the uh, field goal, not field goal, leave Aaron Rodgers on the field. You were confused. You were very confused, but you in typical Aaron fashion did not lean so heavily on the one play. You were confused and questioned the entire game from the Green Bay Packers in that 2020 NFC Championship game against the Bucs. So you were confused and you were a little rattled by the fact that they took Aaron Rodgers off the field. But you, again, in typical Aaron fashion, did not give any, give a shit about what, what was being said about the show on the show, did not give a shit about the topic. You decided to go in your own way and say, it's not <laughs> well, about that. But that's why. It's because I know, like, again, we, I know that's the biggest moment. But – Aaron Rodgers had three downs before that to make a play and he didn't. Um, and, and everybody always wants to harp on the one moment. It's the, it's the last year Dallas in the playoffs with Dak Prescott running and trying to slide and spike it in time. And everybody focused on that one play. And I kept telling people like, do you think that play cost them the game? Hell no. Yeah. There were so many moments that led up to that. The same thing happened on this fourth down play. If green Bay gets the ball back there and does stop Tampa Nobody ever talks about Matt LaFleur not going for it. That, and that's and so those are the things that I look at when I watch a football game. You can watch the most important play or what you feel like is the most important play. I'm watching the entire game because it is truly four quarters of football that determine a football game. The, the touchdown in the first quarter mattered. Um, when these things happen, yes, they do matter. And there is more heightened, um, I guess, importance. But – 
that one fourth down play where they chose to kick the field goal, nah, Green Bay didn't move the ball. Yeah. Let me Aaron ask Rogers you this. Scored on third down. Let me ask you this dumb question before we get into our predictions. So Aaron Rodgers in his last two games in the state of Florida account for two of his four worst passer rating games in his career. Last season, week one against the Saints, that game that got moved to Jacksonville because of the hurricane. And then the 2020 game in the in the in the NFC championship against the Bucks, his completion percentage, 46%, and then 54%. Did neither game pass for over 165 yards? Uh, no touchdowns, four interceptions. Aaron Rodgers has been poopy in the state of Florida for the past two seasons. Does that matter? Because, I mean, we talk about what the – it matters when we talk about the Patriots and the Miami Dolphins going down to Miami. So why doesn't it matter with Tampa? What, 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 what do you mean does it – but well, I guess maybe I should clarify. What do you mean does it matter? Like, is that is it is is me saying those stats, like, are the, is that a typical – oh, no, Aaron, I, I don't, no. that don't mean shit. No, I don't I don't I don't think that matters. I think you I think when you try to compare that to the Patriots, the Patriots are going to play their division rival in Miami. This is just that's, that's that this is one game and it's out of division game. It's not like Tampa and Green Bay know each other really well. Like they don't play each other all the time. Um I, I just don't think I don't think that all right. All right. Well let's get into predictions. Who you got? I'm taking the path. You son of a bitch. You, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to step in here. I'm going to step in here. This this is just unbelievable. Unbelievable. The worst times you had a great, although you had to go on that solo for quite some time. You were great. There was no pausing at all. I know. But here, when it comes down to it and you got to get to your prediction. Unbelievable. I'm taking the Packers. I'm taking the Packers 27, 24. I will. uh, I'll go Packers here as well. Uh, I'll go 28 to 24 Packers. AJ has the Bucks here, 24-21. Dylan has the Bucks as well. Interesting. So we have a split. We have a split. A split. Last game to cover here. Uh, it is the Monday night football game between the Dallas Cowboys traveling to take on the New York Giants, the 2-0 Giants taking on the one and one Dallas Cowboys. The Giants are two-point favorites here in this game with a nice little low over-under of 39.5 points. Uh, Dallas without Dak Prescott, obviously, and the Giants rolling through two games uh, with with the help and the thanks to Saquon Barkley. Aaron, where where do you lean in this game? What are you, what are you looking for in this game the most? I'm going to be honest. I have no idea. Um, I, cause I know, like, I know Dallas's defense will be good. They've been good through two weeks against, you know, Cincinnati and, um, even Tampa Bay, two good teams. Um, but I don't know about the offense because the giants defense has, has been really good, but they've played Tennessee and Carolina, but playing Dallas's offense right now is like playing Tennessee and Carolina. So, um, I think it'll be a low scoring game. Um, I'm looking for which team is going to turn the football over. And as crazy as this sounds, Dallas is not turning the football over. Uh, I think Cooper Rush has been pretty safe with the football, and Daniel Jones is a walking turnover. So I'm, I'm expecting for something to happen there, whether it's a Michael Parsons fumble, uh, Trayvon Diggs interception, or whatever. Um, I think that's the difference in the game. 
And I don't have yeah. much on this game. I'm gonna be honest. I don't have no, a lot that, that, because it's not a lot. Like Giants are two and zero. Dallas is one and one. But both are like, eh, what are, are yeah. they good? Are they bad? Like, what are they? So I don't yeah. have a lot. So some storylines follow in this game, obviously. So the Giants this is the first time since the Eli Manning days in 2018 the uh, that they've been favored to beat the Cowboys. Um, Micah Parsons uh, has now become the new favorite to win Defensive Player of the Year. He has the highest odds. Uh, to win defensive player of the year after that week that he had last week against Cincinnati Bengals and the start that he had uh, against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this game. I mean, I, I, that's the matchup I am looking, looking forward to most is Micah Parsons. I don't know. Is Micah Parsons, would he be matched up against Evan Neal? Is that a thing? Am I, am I thinking about this correctly? No, no, there's no matchup that Micah Parsons lines up everywhere. Okay. So they okay, move him so around. So at some point, yeah, I'm sure he'll go against Evan Neal. But well, that that's um, I guess I think that's that's what I'm watching for most in this game would be the pass rushes of the of the Cowboys getting to Daniel Jones and how Daniel Jones reacts to that because you can only lean on Saquon Barkley so much. I mean, we see it. It's the it's the Tennessee Titans effect. You can only lean on said running back so much. And Saquon Barkley, I think he's more he he's more playmaking than Derrick Henry to be completely honest with in 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 the passing game in the running game he's just a little bit more like Derrick Henry he's explosive he's a heavy hitter and he can go for big runs but Saquon Barkley is just different when he's on the field and when he's making these types of plays so but aside from that I think that it comes down to Daniel Jones against the pass rush of this Dallas Cowboys team he has not been very good against the pass rush in primetime games, he's not very good. He's 0-8 in primetime games. Not that that matters so much. Um, but how he handles the rush is going to be huge. If Daniel Jones plays good against this Cowboys defense, are we are we we're talking about that right on Monday, right or Tuesday? I think Tuesday. I think we know how Daniel Jones is going to handle the rush. Same way he always handles the rush. He's going to suck. Like he's never really been that great. Uh, and, and we know there's going to be pressure because the Giants offensive line is not great. Despite having Evan Neal, one of your favorite guys, like uh, Evan Neal was getting beat by Brian Burns last week. Like Giants offense wasn't good. And um, Daniel, Daniel Jones has been pressured 49% of his dropbacks, the highest in the NFL. There you go. It's only going to get worse with DeMarcus Lawrence, Michael Parsons, and your favorite, Dorrance Armstrong. Dorrance, um, my, my dude, Dorrance Armstrong. Interesting thing here, though. The last three times Saquon Barkley has played against Dallas, he had 28 yards rushing, nine yards rushing, 28 on 14 carries, nine yards on two carries. I think he was obviously hurt then. And then 50 on 15 carries. He hasn't performed well as of late against the Dallas Cowboys. Um, he had, did have some good games early in his career against Dallas, his first two games, but uh, that that is going to be interesting. I think if you stop Saquon Barkley, you stop the Giants, and I think Dallas will do a good enough job at that. What's the score? Um, I am taking the Cowboys here. I think it's twenty-one eighteen Dallas. Yep, I I had a similar score. I'll go twenty-three uh, to seventeen Dallas. AJ has uh, the Cowboys here as well. Twenty-six twenty-three. Cowboys for Dylan as well. Boom. There you have it. That does it for another episode of the Sac City Podcast. All of our week three games have been predicted and previewed. If you want to check them out, they will be available on our YouTube page at the Sac City Pod. All 16 games previewed and now the Steelers game recapped. Um, so there you have it. YouTube, check us out at Sac City Pod. 
And Vinny is now gone so much for me um, freezing. Vinny just decides to leave the show. At least I stick around and actually do something. I look up and he's gone. So join us and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok at Sex City Pod. Be sure to get on there. We're going to start dropping some more of them shorts for you soon. Um, And then obviously you get all of our great content on YouTube where we clip everything nice and easy for you. We have an hour and a half show, but we say, you know what? We know you don't want to watch us for an hour and a half all the time. You just want to go remember, what did Aaron say about the Tennessee Titans? We clip it. We tell you, hey, here's the Tennessee Titans versus whomever. It's nice and clipped. It's on our YouTube page, six, eight minutes long, however long it is until I shut up, which I never do. But I'm not shutting up today because it's my birthday. So shout out to Sexy. It's it's your birthday and you can cry if you want to. Happy birthday, Aaron. That does it for another episode of Sac City Podcast. We'll be back again live at 11 a.m. Eastern for another episode of Pigskins and Pancakes, our fantasy football show, where we break down rankings, start sits, our DFS plays of the week, and so much more. Tune in again, 11 a.m. Eastern time. That does it for my boy, for my best friend, Aaron, the Mukes, I Mukes. I am me. Happy birthday, friend. And we will see you Sunday. Peace out. Thanks for listening to the Sac City Podcast. You made it this far, so you must have liked that show. If you did, go ahead and think of two people you could share this episode with. We can never have too many people in the city. So don't forget to hit that follow button. Sac City. Population. One more. <laughs>